Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Dr. Richard Kern is with me, and Dr. Kern, thank you so much uh, with the Smithsonian as the Undersecretary of History and Culture. Boy, what a big responsibility. Yeah, well, my true. goodness, <laughs> what a major responsibility is that. How long have you been doing that? I first worked for the Smithsonian in 1976 during the bicentennial of the United States and mm-hmm. ran the Folklife Festival for many years. What did you do before Mall. that? Uh, I was getting my Ph.D. at the University of Chicago, and uh, I worked mostly in uh, Asia, uh, India, Pakistan, doing work, came to the Smithsonian. And loved it. You know, you can do scholarship in the university, you know, and Mm -hmm. I write books and articles and so on. But the idea of the Smithsonian to to do education for the public, for the people, Mm -hmm. you know, where anybody can come in from anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, go to the museums and get a bit of understanding about who we are. Now, did you work with our friend Lonnie Bunch? I work with Lonnie Bunch Every day. <laughs> oh, okay. He is a yeah. big friend of this show. Explain to people that part of Christopher Columbus that we, we weren't taught in school. Yeah, there's been a, a good deal of work uh, over the past uh, few decades on this because, you know, whenever people are exposed to people anew, they carry with them <laughs> all sorts of microbes and viruses and bacteria and disease. And so one of the things that Uh, You know, Columbus was uh, and people on his crew and people that followed him were doing was not only taking gold and other treasures from the Americas and uh, uh, native people back to Europe as, as slaves, but they were also carrying their own microbes and diseases. And that was an exchange between both the New World and the Old World. So we think of it as, you know, empires and colonies and, and, and all of that. But also, all these uh, microbes were basically hitchhiking on everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when Columbus came to the New World, uh, his, uh, his uh, sailors had, um, you know, the, uh, the bacteria and the viruses for smallpox and tuberculosis, whooping cough, all sorts of things that uh, the local population had no immunity to. And in reverse, uh, there were forms, uh, there's some scientific debate over it about the nature of syphilis. But when, you know, uh, Columbus goes back, I mean, he dies of a a venereal disease. uh, But he, um, all of a sudden you have syphilis moving through Europe. So you have an exchange of populations that people did not see. They could not see with their own eyes, but people were getting sick. And in the New World, it was devastating because people did not have the immunity to the disease. Is there, and is, is there any indication, are we talking about tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, indigenous people dying, millions? Yes, uh, at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Mm-hmm. And, and not only of disease directly, but then the consequences of, uh, of that, weakened immune systems and... Uh, you know, uh, lack of ability to take care of themselves and so on. So that was a huge impact. And, and that ho- happened over just the course of uh, decades. In fact, the, the, you know, the, uh, I mean, one, there was the kind of brutality of uh, Columbus. He, um, you know, he needed people to mine gold, I mean, and, and to search for gold, particularly in Hispaniola, the, the island that's now mm-hmm. Haiti and uh, mm-hmm. the Dominican Republic. Very brutal there, brutal in Cuba. So he was actually removed by his governorship. But but the impact of direct uh, enslavement of Indian peoples and then Indian peoples uh, resisting that 
and fighting back and getting killed and disease ultimately led uh, uh, led to uh, the uh, mass development of slavery in the Caribbean from Africa. That is, there were no native people to get. There was no native people to work. And so uh, the Spanish colonial authorities said, well, where are we going to get people to do this work? And they looked toward uh, really the uh, the uh, west coast of Africa. So, so I have often heard people say that the royalty of Spain and Portugal uh, therefore, i.e., the Catholic Church, were really the handmaidens of slavery. Uh, am I going too far with that? Well, I think there was a um, there was a lot of you know good bit of debate. Slavery was not well developed at the time. Uh, it was mostly, uh, I'd say, household slavery in Europe. Mm-hmm. People coming from the Benin area, uh, Nigeria, uh, that part. Uh, and, and it was a very small scale. It was really with the development of plantation agriculture okay. in the Caribbean right. that really, really kicks it off and, in a major and, way. And the, so the indigenous people of Hispaniola, Haiti, Dominican Republic, what we know, Jamaica, they were either dying off from diseases yeah. or they were or being killed or, or they were fighting back. Yeah. And so you just did not have the mass workers that w- were needed. Yes, that's uh, true. So there, here, uh, now... Something else that was interesting, and 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 I, w- w- I was talking to Professor Skip Gates yep, about yeah, this, sure. and he was he had done someone's uh, genealogy, and they went back 1492, uh, and he said at the same time in Spain the Inquisition was going on. Yes, very much. In fact, when Columbus was sailing out, yes. so were Jews being kicked out of Spain, and they were going to. Uh, the Netherlands, um, the Holland at the time, they were going uh, to Morocco along with Muslims. That's why you have big Jewish populations historically in Morocco. They were also going to, um, well, there were uh, Jewish folks on Columbus's uh, uh, trip. He had a Hebrew uh, interpreter. And uh, it looks like there were a lot of conversos, people who converted who were Jewish. Yeah, because this converted. person who, in genealogy, they did, the family went back uh, to Jamaica. Yeah. And there was this Jewish enclave that had, you know, and they fought for years to get recognition, legal recognition. It's very interesting. You know, you had uh, uh, Jews going to the Cape Verde Islands, you know, which are about, what, 300 miles off off the coast of Senegal. Senegal. Senegal, And that's where actually you see the development of first plantation agriculture. And it it was basically an experimental station Mm -hmm. for the Caribbean. And so you had Africans there. You had Jewish folks, you had Portuguese, uh, uh, Spanish, and so on. Uh, And uh, what happens is it looks like Jewish populations, whether recently converted secret Jews or what we call crypto-Jews, ended up going to the New World because they were fleeing the Inquisition in Spain. So Mm -hmm. they end up going to the Caribbean. They go to Brazil, Recife, for example, a big Jewish population. And then as the Inquisition comes to the New World, so-called New World— Jewish populations end up going inland to Mexico City and then even up to New Mexico. So you have uh, really graves from very early times in the Spanish settlement of New Mexico bearing things like Jewish stars and so on. So they, they were trying to stay one, ahead of, one step ahead of the Inquisition. What, what, why is it or how is it that this whole – this 
this Christopher Columbus holiday came about? In other words, when is it that people did not really read his uh, his diaries, his logs? Uh, I mean, and, and I, I want to get to why in this country we celebrate Christopher Columbus, and it, it and it's only been maybe it's just been me in recent times that the real Christopher Columbus comes out. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'd say as an overall framework, uh, uh, Joe, you have to think of Columbus going through various transformations in our mind after he died. <laughs> you know, there's Columbus the man, and this is what happened then. So uh, Columbus was interested in uh, gold and spices, finding a new route to Asia, converting local populations to Catholicism. That was one of the explicit aims of his uh, mission. He was pretty brutal. When he got back to Spain, he was thrown in jail. They took away his Why money. Why was he thrown in because jail? Of, because of the brutality. He was, a, he was a pretty good navigator. All right. Uh, he certainly was adept at reading the winds and traveling, traversing the Atlantic, but he was a lousy administrator, a lousy governor. It wasn't profitable. People complained. Uh, he was pretty brutal. So uh, his money was taken away. He was thrown in prison. And then the, the Spanish... Uh, uh, rulers restored that, and his family had to do court cases for years to recover some of his money. He was supposed to get 10% from everything resulting from colonialism. So Columbus, but uh, in Europe, it was regarded as this was opening up a new world, and it was never the same after Columbus. Now, I think what happened is, you know, Columbus then recedes as as a man. I mean, historians are interested in him. But really, when you start looking at the what I'd say the revival of Columbus in America, it happens in the 1700s. And it really happens, Phyllis Wheatley. Really? Poet. The black African-American yes, poet, one writes, of the first poets. Sends a letter to George Washington okay. about Columbia. Columbia is named after Columbus. Columbus, right. And, and you see in, a, in, in, the, in, the, in the colonial... In the colonies, about to become the United States, people actually debate whether the country should be called Colombia. Colombia stands for America. And it, it, it has less to do with Columbus, per se, as the man, and more about a concept, a metaphor about this new world. So Phyllis Whaley, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's really Colombia. Interestingly enough, Colombia is a woman. She's a goddess. <laughs> and she's a personification of the idea of discovery of a new world, of a new opportunity. So it's really not... So Americans use Columbia everywhere. In fact, when we become a country and we create a capital, what do we call it? District of Columbia. District of Columbia. Mm -hmm. Columbia River. You have state capitals, Columbia. So um, I think what happens is Columbia takes on this kind of romantic, nationalistic Mm -hmm. notion of Mm -hmm. identifying... uh, Americans identifying themselves in the world. I think it reaches a pinnacle by the uh, uh, 400th anniversary of Columbus in 1892, the 1893 World Exposition in Chicago. It's called the Columbian Exposition, the World's Fair. And the whole notion of discovery and opportunity and new world, and you're starting to get a lot of immigrants to the country. And so uh, it it takes – and then stamps are issued for Columbus, and, you know, it's like Columbus crazy. 
and it's much more of a romantic, nationalistic notion mm. than it is about Columbus the man and his life and what he did when he was in Dominican Republic and Cuba and what he did back in Spain. And and historians uh, weren't writing about this uh, 1892, prior to 1892? There was just, or because there was no interest? I, I think it was, uh, I, I, you know, it just wasn't in the, the prime. You, okay. you, you started getting... Um, there was no official holiday. There was no official holiday. Okay. I mean, people People talked about Columbus, and you had sure. recognition in other parts of, uh, of of the Americas. It's really in the 1930s that you see. Uh, well, Franklin Roosevelt basically says Columbus Day is a federal holiday, and he does that in the uh, I think it was 34, 37, something like that. What brought that about? I mean, you know, President Roosevelt just didn't wake up one day no, and say, no, "Let's it make was, it Columbus well, Day." Well, it, it was, and really, why October? It was really pushed. Well, it was October because that's when Columbus sent, set, set sail. All right. I, I mean, discovered uh, America. Okay. Uh, landed discovered. in Bahamas. Uh-huh. But, but it was really pushed by Italian-American immigrants. Okay. There was a period of prejudice against immigration, against right. Italian-Americans. And they were proud to be here. They were proud as Americans, just like many other immigrant groups. And so they were pushing for their recognition. And even though Columbus was from maybe born in Genoa, we, we pretty much think, which later became part of Italy— you know, there wasn't really an Italy at the time of right. Columbus. Right. But this became a, a, a notion of almost ethnic pride. I got you. And, and so the, it, there's a political de, uh, decision here. Totally political right. decision. But you can see how Columbus goes from a man to a personification right. as a goddess and standing for right. the country to a romantic notion to a symbol of ethnic identification with a new country. Chris from New York, go ahead. You're on with uh, the good Dr. Richard Curran. Okay, I like history too. Two quick questions. All right. Uh, uh, did uh, did Columbus see any? Did he see or record seeing any African features like Afros and the natives that he met? And a second question, and it's not about slavery, but did the racism against African descendants start before or after Columbus? And was its origins based on profit or just culture? All right, uh, Doctor Curran. Yeah, the um, I don't know of uh, any uh, recording of uh, African peoples or uh, features uh, by uh, by Columbus. Again, remember he thought he was in Asia, so he called local people Indios uh, after India, and that's why we get you know kind of American. So Indians. The, the, the 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 point is he was not looking for a new world. Exactly, he was he, looking for a short shorter passage to India. He thought the world, everybody else was going around Africa. Okay. So Africa was known, you know, the coastal Africa, because that's right. where the Portuguese and Spanish were trying to get to India by going around the coast. So people did have a knowledge, a role of knowledge, and a lot of trade with Africa, particularly in the Bight of Benin in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and were trading all sorts of things. But Columbus thought the world was, um, every, a lot of people thought the world was round. That was not an issue. He just thought it was a lot smaller, and so by going west, mm-hmm. he can end up east. Not <laughs> knowing there was a Not continent knowing. that was, a, a was continent in between. Way, yeah. okay. And so he thought he was off the coast of uh, In terms of, uh, you know, ra- you had a, 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 a racialism that gets going very quickly because, again, you do have this European influ- uh, uh, experience with Africa and African experience with Europeans. And when you look at the trading kingdoms and so on with Benin, and so, which was a very, very uh, sophisticated culture in Nigeria, uh, it seems much more egalitarian in terms of, uh, you know, kind of respect and interchange. With the New World, what happens? 
there's actually a, a discussion that goes on in Europe and within Catholicism about whether native people of this new world are human beings or beasts of burdens. That is, do they have a soul? And there was actually a papal bull. A pa- the Pope had to make a decision about this. I think it was 1534 or 1535 that basically said, yes, these native people are actually human beings. So you had that Im- – it was like hyper-racism in a way. You know, it was like saying, are these people of the same species or not? It was it was tremendous. And the church was making that – And the church charged made, with making that decision. Right, right. Mm-hmm. People were debating because that decided how brutally you mm-hmm. could treat people. If people were animals, you did not have to accord them much mm-hmm. respect. Right. But if they were people, then you would – you could convert them and try to save their soul. So you get, you know, religion tinged with racial differences. Uh-huh. And that, that, that was a, a big recipe. Mary from New Jersey, go right ahead. You're on with Dr. Richard uh, Curran. Hi, yes. My question is related to, um, so when I learned about uh, Cristobal, uh, Christopher, Christopher Columbus, Columbus, I was told it was Cristobal Colon, and I learned about La Malinche in a, a Mestizo, and so the Indi- like indigenous people. And so I just wanted to know, um, you know, your thoughts on, on that story as far as the translations, whether they, the, um, there was some tra- trade, or if that means like someone was a traitor, because he couldn't speak the language. So okay. if you could talk about that. And then also... Um, when you're, we're trying to teach the young people about truth, you know, without it being, you know, it, it can be, you know, without it being romanticized and still explaining all perspectives, like the, the growth from Christopher Columbus, the man, to the romance, to mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the culture, gotcha. and how it, how mm-hmm. it, but, you know, how do we really get all of the accurate, yeah. accurate I, I got you, I got you, you know, it's a, I, I kind of cut to the chase, how to keep it from being whitewashed and that type of thing. But, doctor, please. Well, that's and, why we and have. And thank you, Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's why we have historians. <laughs> and that's why we encourage uh, uh, students in our schools to try to use primary sources and so on, because, you know, we do have diaries, we do have letters of the time, so you can understand it at the time, and then understand that, you know, history gets made and written. It, it's a process of taking it, digesting it, and as you say, sometimes it's romanticized, sometimes it's trashed, it goes through. And so I think we want people to think for themselves. Yes, Christopher Columbus did not call himself Christopher Columbus. He was Cristobal Colon. And, um, uh, uh, you know, so that's an anglicized version of the name. He spoke, uh, it appears that he spoke Castilian, uh, which was, uh, uh, you know, Spain, remember, Spain wasn't a country either. Spain was kingdoms. The, not only were the Jews being kicked out in 1492, but Andalusia, southern Spain, Seville, Granada, Cordoba, they had just been taken over by the Spanish monarchy. Castile and Aragon had just been united. So sometimes we think in certain categories mm-hmm. and we project them back in the past, but things are a lot less uh, uh, kind of certain uh, than um, uh, you know, sometimes they're made out to be. And we have to understand things as they were then. All right. Leslie, last question, and, and uh, we're going to run out of time here for uh, the good doctor. Go ahead, uh, Leslie. Real quick, I read that uh, Christopher Columbus, hey, when he comes to the New World, he thought of the people as animals, and he said that we can enslave them. And also, 
uh, I was told that actually there was a black man in the ship with Christopher Columbus when he came over yeah. and discovered America, but he was in the hull of the ship's fleet. Is that right. to it? Well, okay. And this audience would be interested. Yeah, to know. I, th- I kind of think that's true. I think he did have, because again, you had, remember, the Portuguese and the Spanish and other navigators coming out of Europe had done this exploration of Western Africa. They, they hugged mm-hmm. the coast. And so they were taking on uh, a number of people who were used to, you know, the coastal currents, mm-hmm. the, the rivers, and so on. Uh, so. Uh, Columbus's crew was actually pretty varied in terms of, of nationality, you know, nationality and where people were racist. where people were from. As I said about the Beast of Burden, that was that was decided by uh, the Pope in again fifteen thirty four. Finally, uh, the first or not the first? Well, not the, not the first. I mean, we know the Vikings, Leif Erikson, and so on were there in Newfoundland. Uh, you know, five hundred years before. The issue was that they then left. So Columbus created the continuity between. Europe and the Americas and Africa and the Americas that hadn't been there before. We'll have to have you back on other issues. Thank you, John. I appreciate Appreciate it. it. Dr. Richard Curran, thank you. Roxanne Dunbar-Otiz, W.B. Du Bois talks about that there's a two-ness with us as African Americans. On one hand, we're asked to assimilate. Uh, On the other hand, we are African Americans. We are black in, in America. Does that is there some similarity with native with well, indigenous people? Yes, for native people, things got worse with uh, independence for native people in North America, much much worse. And and then you know, harking back to the doctrine of discovery by celebrating Columbus, right? That doctrine that they had no inherent rights because they were conquered, right, by Europeans. <laughs> Or, or as we learned, the church uh, considered had to make a well considered a beast, you know, so they didn't have a soul. But anyway, man, it uh, it has been a while. I was it, it, Roxanne. I was asking my team, well, when's the last time we interviewed? And it's been a while. And they went back and and found that clip, and thank you so much for being on the Madison Show. And then our intern uh, came in and said, you know, this book, I'm reading this book, An Indigenous People, History of the United States. And, you know, I said, well, let's get get, uh, Miss Ortiz back on. Um, And and so good morning. Thank you. I know you're on the West Coast, so I appreciate you being up early for us. Um, Good. Good morning, Joe. Uh, I am on the West Coast, but I am an early riser, so it's no problem. Okay, man. I'm glad to hear that. Um, 17 states and Washington, D.C. have changed Columbus Day to Indigenous People People's Day. Um, y- you know, let, let's talk about, about that. And... Um, you know, who, you know, will the real Christopher Columbus? We just had doctor, a, a, a good doctor from the Smithsonian on. Um, let me get your sense of how, how, what this day should be, what my audience should be thinking and talking about, uh, uh, Roxanne. Yes, well, you know, yesterday um, was the, I, I live in San Francisco, and it has a very large um, uh, 
uh, Italian American population. Um, and I live uh, in that neighborhood. Uh, it's up against the Chinese neighborhood. And then, you know, so it's an interesting place. I did my daily walk um, down to North Beach. I live up on the hill. And um, I wasn't even thinking about it being, uh, well, I, you know, I was thinking about the Blue Angels strafing us for three days. Uh, <laughs> right. It becomes a, a war zone for for three days with the Navy, yeah. and thanks to um, the late um, Feinstein. But I walked down there, and I was, I was just, I could see from two blocks away that, that it was packed. The whole area was packed, and it was the Italian-American um, um, parade that they have for Columbus Day. And I didn't—I thought they were, it was going to happen today, um, and I wouldn't have gone down. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, a living uh, example of um, just a di- no education of understanding uh, what this day means, because. Basically, it means the um, onset of colonialism. Um, I've done a lot of work in the United Nations, and um, um, in, uh, I, I had an incident happen that I was sitting in a. Um, I was. It was a period when I was really trying to learn how the United Nations General Assembly worked. Okay. And so I was. Uh, I was. Um, um, it, it was 1982, and I was just sitting there, you know, sort of bored. It was pretty boring, most of it. And suddenly, um, the government of Spain and the Holy See, the uh, Vatican, it's a um, non-voting state member of the United Nations, too, uh, proposed uh, to the UN General Assembly that the year 1992 be celebrated in the United Nations as an encounter between Europe and the indigenous peoples of the Americas and to honor Europeans for having uh, brought the gifts of civilization and Christianity. Yeah. So to the shock of the North Atlantic states that supported Spain's resolution, including the United States and Canada, the entire African delegation walked out of the meeting. You know, they sit by um, uh, alphabetical order, not in groups, but it was as if, you know, it was everyone at once had this consciousness. It was really beautiful. And they they were so confused, the um, Europeans, you know, why? They said, what does Africa have to do with Columbus? And that's an important question, you know, because this was the, the beginning of the transatlantic slave, slave trade. trade right. they, they took slaves from the Caribbean. They enslaved and took them to Europe and sold them. And not long after, they began transporting Africans to North America and to all of the Americas, Brazil. Uh, and, and of course, Richard uh, Curran uh, made you know made the point historically speaking as a historian. You know, Christopher Columbus was heading west, thinking he was going to get a shortcut, because again, folks were traveling around 
the uh the, the you know around africa uh and right. yeah um so so uh, so you know what's the number one thing well i shouldn't say the number one thing what what are the things that you think people get wrong about the indigenous history uh in in and as it relates to columbus you you're a historian and and a new york times best selling author what what is it that what is it that you you if you had to re, if you had to conduct a class let's say junior high or high school where would you start now i've always start you know i've always taught at the uh, state university level but um they've come directly from high school so, right, right, right. and know nothing know nothing about these things um so what i do is um i i draw a map of um you know just uh, on the blackboard i'm i'm not very good at this but they can figure out you know the shape we're so um uh you know we have in our minds all the time the shape of the United States as it is today. And um, I asked them um, that, um, well, no, I asked, I'm sorry, I asked them to drive, uh, you know, pull out a piece of paper and just draw, you know, just draw that. I didn't put it on the uh, blackboard Mm -hmm. until after they did that. Right. And every one of, I said, uh, draw a map of the United States in uh, 1776. What was it, you know, when it uh, declared independence? And they drew the whole continent. You know, so it, it's it's like it was already conquered just by the yeah. founding of right. the United States. So I think that, you know... That then gives you the the sense of how embedded in uh, the consciousness uh, in the United States of um, of the um, uh, the righteousness, you know, of um, really settler colonialism, of uh, and genocide, mm-hmm. of yeah. uh, ethnic cleansing in order to. Um, well, you know, develop a very wealthy capitalist state based on um, uh, slavery and cotton, you know, plantations. So in order to do that, to make the South a, um, you know, a bastion of uh, uh, agribusiness, they they forcibly removed all of the, what's called the five civilized nations, uh, who were great agriculturalists, had developed, uh, you know, the land was already rich and developed uh, over centuries, so they simply appropriated yeah, yeah. Uh, the fields and the um, wealth and put, uh, forced the people to march uh, yeah. with the Cherokees, yeah. uh, the army yeah, made them the, march. Uh, yeah, the, uh, what they call the... To Oklahoma. And, yeah, the march, you know, to... Uh, that they had, um, and used the, the small, you know, infecting the, the blankets with smallpox and all of that. Um, my my guest is Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz, New York Times bestselling author. Matter of fact, grew up in rural Oklahoma, 
and uh, and she has been and she's been active in the international indigenous movement for you know for more than four four decades. Um, one and by the way, if you do have a question, um, John from Georgia, uh, please go ahead. If, uh, I know you've been on hold. So if you have a question for Roxanne Ortiz, go ahead. Uh, yeah, basically, I just wanted to um, ask her about the difference between the education or private education and public education. And is it friction that the uh, public education received coming up through the 60s on way up to immigration and the private education received the facts? Hmm. About what's really real. Interesting. So your your question is: Is there a difference between what public yeah, schools are teaching versus what private schools are teaching? Yeah, different between the friction that was taught to the public school and the science friction that was taught to the private school. Hmm. Um, Roxanne. Yeah. Well, I think it's a a very important question. Um, There are problems with each, but as you can see in uh, Florida lately and and Oklahoma and and many other places, but Florida has been in the, the Santos has been in the news more than any of um, really all the advances that uh, um, people of color have made, I doubt that, you know, they even are tagging indigenous studies there. It doesn't get as much news. But basically critical race theory and um, all of these advances that have enlightened people to, you know, truth. And truth, uh, you know, as uh, the Bible says, truth will make you free. This is this is um, uh, something that keeping people ignorant of um, of these things. So in private schools, they have a, a you know it depends on the private school. Some of the evangelical private schools are worse than public education, and um, and some um, and I have you know one near me, which is a boys uh, school. I've spoken there. They have me speak there. These kids, you know, the high school kids, um, all boys, uh, and uh, pretty diverse now. Um, they, uh, there are a lot of scholarships. They're brilliant. You know, they know these things. They're getting taught. And yet in the public schools, uh, teachers, it's less in, you know, in the Bay Area and coastal California, but it's just as bad in Northern California and Central California, that there's um, limitation on what teachers can teach, yeah, and yeah. they're in in droves. They're leaving the field because, first of all, they don't get enough pay, but secondly, they're they're monitored all the time now. Yeah. So, what was your experience, John? Uh, my experience was both. I did, I went to public school, and it was the uh, he, uh, teaching, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus, and whenever I got in college, uh, international college, it was the facts about uh, the reality of the international world that you face. So you come from public school to the real world once you get enough money yeah. and education to get in college. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, man. I, 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 
let, let me ask the and, and this is uh, so what what should what should the federal government be doing? I mean, it, 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 I don't know if there is a effort within Congress to officially eliminate. I don't even remember when what year Columbus Day was considered an official holiday, but I assume, uh, Roxanne Ortiz, that you, you would you wouldn't have a problem with them changing it from Columbus Day to indigenous uh, 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 international or national indigenous day yeah it's um, you know the Biden administration has uh, been good about to um, you know the the um, recommending changes um, and uh, calling it you know by its right name instead of Columbus State but just as I saw in the last three days here in liberal San Francisco, where everyone claims, you know, to understand the issues and all, um, just this pouring out of uh, uh, enjoying, you know, the um, militarism and the, you know, of course, the Italian um, march. And um, the Columbus Day actually was, um, you know, there, there's a, the Knights of Columbus were founded uh, in the 19 uh, in the 1880s, and these were, first of all, a group of um, Irish Jesuits, uh, Jesuit, you know, um, it's a roots in Ireland, um, very hardcore, had become very hardcore. They were in Ireland, you know, um, very strict control of people and under colonialism, even though they were Irish Catholics. And um, uh, a few of them, you know, they had a little group uh, that they, um, Italians had started uh, immigrating and Southern uh, Italians, mostly oh, Italians, yeah. in great numbers. And they, they then recruited, um, uh, you know, they, they, they made it around Columbus. They created yeah. the idea of Columbus. So that 1882 is actually when um, okay. gotcha. uh, when that happened. But it wasn't an official Columbus Day until, um, unfortunately, FDR proclaimed it. Oh, such. okay. All right. Well, you know, it uh, obviously a lot of it's political, no ifs, ands, buts about it. Um, yeah. yeah. And so let me thank you so much for just, again, taking the time to to be with us as we um, basically said we're going to do a segment. Will the real Christopher Columbus please stand up? And um, <laughs> and you, you you helped to point the finger at who the real Columbus uh, was. So thank you. We, we really appreciate it. Have a great a great indigenous American day. Appreciate it. Um, thank you, Joe. You got the good work. All right, thank you. Appreciate that, too. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.